I want to welcome you to Web Church today. I believe you're going to be blessed. You're going to be encouraged by the message of grace that God has placed upon my heart today. I want to just welcome all the Web Church members from all over the world that are slotted in. Maybe we haven't received an application from you, but you see yourself as a member of Web Church. Thank you that you're a part of this church. And now the reason why I say thank you is not to say, well, you know, you've slotted into Web Church. That's boosting my ego. Now, what happens when you slot into Web Church is it's another person that I can serve with this message of grace and they can experience the unconditional love of God. Hallelujah. I've got good news for you. We've started, or we are starting, a five-minute Bible school. Now, five-minute Bible school is very simple. It's a five-minute message uh, that I preach just to get people hungry for a certain topic and then we give them some scriptures to go and study out some questions that they must answer, send it back to us, and then we'll correspond that way with each other. See what God has revealed to you. And it's so exciting because the moment people get into grace and they go and study the Scriptures, they might see grace in the Scriptures that I've never seen. So I can learn out of this Bible school. You can learn out of this Bible school. We'll be in correspondence with each other. Man, I'm so excited about this because this will be a relationship-based Bible school. Hallelujah. Where you can... Yes, something, study it out, get revelation out of the Word of God for yourself. Man, what an awesome, awesome Bible school. So, um, I've uh, written down 52, or identified 52 topics that I want to preach on uh, for the first year. Now, that means it's once, one a week, or you can do it much quicker than that. Uh, we will record uh, a lot of them per day. And as we go on, we'll put it onto the website. So, you can look under WordWell. Just keep your eyes open. There will be a button there that says 5 Minute Bible School. You can enroll, become part of this and we will see the grace of God just growing and you being established in what Jesus has done for you. I believe that after you've been through this 5 Minute Bible School and all the subjects that we've got, you will be equipped enough to start a, 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 like a home church or anything like that. You'll have enough material and enough revelation in your heart to minister by the grace of God. You'll be able to teach people. You'll be able to pray for the sick. You'll be able to equip others. Man, (laughs) it's awesome. This is what God wants, equipping the saints. Amen. So that we can go and do that which Jesus Christ has come to do. And that is to see the lost being saved. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I want to just read a scripture to open this with before we pray. It says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. It says, In this was manifested the love of God. Now, I want to explain that word, in this. You know, if you, go, if you want to go fishing, you're not going to go fishing in the trunk of your car. Or under the bonnet of your car. You're not going to take a fishing rod, put on some bait and chuck it right there into the engine. And believe God for some fish to come. No, you can't find fish there. Fish is either in the ocean, a river, um, a dams, lakes, somewhere. That's where you find some fish. You can't find fish in, you can't catch fish in the engine of your car. Now, in the same way, this is what the Bible says. It says, in this was manifested the love of God towards us. And then it explains in what the love of God was manifested. Now, 
it says, because that He gave or sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. So in this, you'll find the manifestation of the love of God. In this is where you're going to experience true love for yourself and where you'll start to function out of love. And it, it is simple. In this, that He gave His Son to you. It doesn't say in this is the love of God manifests that you obey the commandments. <laughs> it says that He gave His Son. Now so many people think, well, He gave His Son. Yes, so what? What does that mean to me? This is it. That we might live through Him. So in this you will find love. If you want to go and get a hold of love, if you are looking for true love, if you have got some bait out there and you want to catch love, this is where you must go and look for it. That He gave His Son that you can live through His Son or in His Son. Now, so many people say, herein is the love of God manifested that He gave His Son so that we can obey the law by the power of the Holy Spirit and then find love. That, that is not the gospel. The gospel is not about what you must do for God. The gospel is not about how much you must love God. The gospel is not about how much you must love your neighbor. The gospel is all about how much God loves you. Isn't that awesome? That's what God gives us. The gospel is about how much He loves us and herein is love that I can stand before the Father today in the name of Jesus saying, I'm 100% obedient. I've been perfected in my spirit. I am holy. I am righteous. I am all these things because of Jesus and because I am in Him and through faith I've got access into that grace. And as I believe that, I find the manifestation of what Jesus has already done on my behalf. Man, isn't that powerful? That is so, so powerful. So, Web Church, I want to announce unto you today that inside the revelation that we live through Him and not our obedience or our works or the law or anything like that, you will experience love for the very first time, and if you if, if you experience that way before, that's the only place where you will have continual experience of God's unconditional love. Hallelujah! You know, so many times we we will do things right. You know, we will say, "Well, um, I must do this for God. I must do this for God. I must do this for God, or otherwise He cannot love me." And then you do all those things, and then you feel so loved. You pray and, and you live right. And as long as what you pray and live right, your relationship with God is growing. But the moment you do something wrong or lose your temper or swear or look at something that's not good or uh, you're in a wrong relationship with somebody or something bad happens, you've got a big fight with your, with your wife or your children or somebody, then you think, oh man, I can't pray the way I used to pray. When I pray, I feel there's this little bit of a resistance between me and God or a gap or a... A wall of separation, that type of thing. And once I get things right again, then I feel the love of God. Now, when you get things right, that emotion that you feel can't be called the love of God. What you are feeling is self-righteousness. That's what you feel because you've been made righteous by your own works before God and now you stand before God being made righteous. Now, not really righteous before God because by your works you cannot be righteous before God. 
But you come before God in your own works and then you think, well, I qualify and then you start to experience things by faith from God and you feel loved. Man, that is just the emotion of receiving things from God out of self-righteousness. It's not the emotion of really feeling loved. Amen. Only in this you can really feel loved is when you've got a revelation and you experience what He's done for you freely and you can live through Him. That's where you experience the love of God. Hallelujah. Man, isn't that awesome? Now, let's just pray together. Father, I thank You that I can pray for all the members of Web Church and all the visitors, first-time visitors of Dynamic Web Church. I thank You they are blessed that they've got an enlightened mind to understand Your message of grace as we are going to preach on Your righteousness and not righteousness by, the, by works or the law, but righteousness by faith. Thank You for touching the lives of people today. Holy Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I want to speak a little bit uh, on finances before we're going to get into the worship. Uh, let's go to, where will we talk about uh, finances? Let's go to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19. Now, before you switch off, I want to say this. We are not into the sowing and reaping, tithing, uh, money-hungry wolves type of uh, teaching. We want to bring you prosperity by what Jesus has done, not by what you do for the church. Hallelujah. If you want to give towards this ministry, uh, it is uh, out of your free will. And we're not going to promise you that if you give to this ministry, that God's now going to bless you or that you will be cursed or blessed or anything like that. But what we promise you is that if you in Jesus Christ, you are blessed. If you give or if you don't give. Giving is something that flows out of the heart of a person. So that which you feel in your heart, that's what you do. Amen. And we're not going to come up in web church with all our needs and say, well, we need this, we need this, we need this. No ways. As you feel this, is a, this blesses you, you do what you feel in your heart. Amen. And giving is not about getting, it's about being generous. And we don't want to rob you from your opportunity to be, to be generous. Um, by saying that you must give money to this church and then you're going to prosper. Because that is not the truth. It's a lie from the pit of hell and many people have used that and abused that to uh, get money for their own vision. If God has give a vi- given a vision to me uh, and, and, and man, it's not for you to pay my vision. It's my vision. Hallelujah. And then God must meet that need. Amen. So I'll go before God, I'll pray to God, and God will supply. Amen. Now, if you have got the same vision as what we have, and you say, but my vision, your vision, is to bless Webchurch to do what they must do, man, live your vision. That's it. But we're not going to try and manipulate you, control you, to get you to, to give us money. Now, we know that the church functions by uh, 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 people giving money, but... Uh, it, it doesn't function out of begging. We're not going to make promises that's not in the Bible concerning your, your prosperity based on a system that's not even New Testament. All that I will promise you is that Jesus was rich, He became poor, and through His poverty you were made rich already and by faith you've got access into that grace. Giving is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's not uh, something you do to provide for yourself. Now, I know some people, if they must hear this, especially, you know, to be quite honest, you can't broadcast this on some TVs. On, 
I don't know of a TV station where I can broadcast what I've just said and they will accept it. I don't know of one. So, uh, <laughs> bless God. God is a good God and, and, and we preach this. Amen. That's why we've got this website that we can preach the truth about the gospel of Jesus Christ that people can be set free. I want you to know this. Do you know why God gives towards you? Because He's a giver and He loves you. Let me tell you this. And I spoke to... Um, Pastor Alan Spiegel yesterday, and it blessed me so much, we spoke about the topic of finances, and we agree 100% on this thing. You know, the hand of God is already open. There's nothing that you can do in order to open the hand of God, or to open the heavens. Jesus is called the door. Jesus is called the way. Amen. The way unto financial prosperity is not sowing, tithing, or anything like that. The way unto financial prosperity is Jesus. And if you are in Christ, you are in blessing, you are in prosperity, you are in all those things, but we've been robbed through false teaching um, and money-hungry people that has also been deceived and doesn't know what they're talking about when it comes to finances. Now, it sounds as if I'm really attacking people. I'm not, I haven't named one name. And I'm not attacking people but I'm against a certain doctrine and I'm for the truth about money. And that's what I believe that you can enter into by faith. And the problem, and I've ministered this in Enemies of Grace, there's two things that's an enemy of grace. Number one, it's the message of what I must do to be blessed. It's called the law. And number two is the doctrine of inclusion. Now the reason why those two things are an enemy of grace is very simple. It takes away your faith. And through faith we've got access into what Jesus has done. The doctrine of inclusion teaches and says that you don't need any faith. Jesus did it all and just by the faith of Jesus. You know, without us resting and believing that. We don't, they teach you don't have to believe at all. Even if you are an atheist, you are saved because Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. Now that is a lie, because the Bible says that by faith, and it then talks about our faith, we've got access into grace, which was His faith, that He used in order to bring righteousness towards us. So we are saved by the faith of Jesus, by putting our faith in the fact that we are saved by His faith. But without you believing that, you've got no access into grace. And this message of tithing, sowing and reaping, what you must do for God has robbed you from your faith where you can simply believe that you've been enriched by Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. So, if you can believe today that He was rich, He became poor, so that you through His poverty might be made rich, you will start to experience the grace of God in your receiving and in your giving. Amen. So, I would just like to share this in Philippians chapter 4. It says this, Verse 19, But my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now that's a powerful scripture. It says, But my God shall supply to all your needs in accordance to what? Accordance to your sowing? Accordance to your prophesying over the word? According to you uh, sowing seed, tithing or what? No, no. It says, In accordance to His riches in glory. Now, Glory speaks about His resurrection power. So God supplies to us and meets our needs in accordance 
to the riches that he possesses because of the power of his resurrection. And that's the power that works in us who believes. Amen. Man, that is powerful. So, how will God meet your need? In accordance to, to what? To His riches which is in glory by what? By Christ Jesus. Not by your sowing, by Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, isn't that powerful? Now, go and read that. If you don't, if, the, if you're a first time visitor, go onto the website, everything to do with money under Wordwell, go and listen to it. I think we've got 18 sessions on that, which just explains about every scripture in the Bible, about finances that is normally used by preachers, and uh, explaining the grace of God in that. So know this, God blesses you. Amen. If you want to give, you give out of the abundance of your heart. You don't give because you say, well, you know, I'm, I give because... Um, you know, I want to make sure God's going to bless me. No ways. And the money that you give, we will use for the vision that's in our heart. So if your vision is to say, listen, I want to support this, then you do it. If you don't want to do it, that's fine. The vision of this is not to get you to give towards this, because God will work in the hearts of people. The vision of this is to teach you on finances and get you free from the law. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for your unconditional love. Mercy and grace. Amen. Well, we're going to go over to worship. I would like you to open your heart into this worship session and enjoy what, um, what we've put on there for you. Let that worship touch your heart. Through that music, you will experience the love of God. Let those words just sink into your heart. Sing it out of the depth of your being. All of it is grace-based. Amen. If we have got any words like, uh, like the one song that says, um, it's amazing how much you love me, love a sinner like me. You know, we sometimes will put something like that in so that a sinner that has slotted in for the first time can also identify. And, and because some sinners might come in and they might just say, you know, I'm a sinner but God is still good to me. So uh, just have a little bit of understanding when it comes to that. So I believe this worship is just going to bless you. Just enjoy the worship. Well, what an honor to just worship Jesus Christ for what He's done for us. It's all about the mystery of Jesus that is revealed in us. To think that God made a plan that He could come and live in us and live through us and have His life in us and that we can have the privilege of just experiencing that and having that in our lives every day so that we don't have to try to live holy by what we do for God but that we can live holy because there's a holy God that indwells us. That's the message of grace. Hallelujah. You know, I've, um, as I was sitting down here and I just went through the, the message again uh, that I want to minister today, I just read that scripture that says, uh, Be blessed if people say false, false things about you for Jesus' sake. So if we talk about Jesus, we know that there will be people that are blessed, there will be people that will not be with it or like it. So, I want you to know this. When you hear the message of grace, and maybe you've been a member of Web Church now for a while, and you've heard the message of grace over and over, and you try to speak to people about the gospel of Jesus, there will be people that will be fond of what you say, and other people will not like it. But I want to encourage you to continue to speak the message of grace, because the Bible says, Great is your reward in heaven if they persecute you for the message of righteousness. Now, it doesn't help they persecute you because you're arrogant. It doesn't help they persecute you because your attitude is not right, because you shout at people or this or that. 
But if you get persecuted for what you say, and if what you say is the message of grace and what Jesus done, because you place everything in Jesus, be glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Now, the way I see reward is, I, uh, and, and what we talk about, when we talk about reward, the Bible speaks about a hope that is laid up for us in heaven. That hope is Jesus. He is our hope that is laid up in heaven that will return and when He returns we will be like Him. And when He returns we will be changed in the twinkling of an eye according to 1 Corinthians 15 and we will be made just like Him even in our physical bodies. Isn't that awesome? That is our expectation. That's our great reward. What He's actually saying is, listen, if this happens, know this, that your reward is in heaven. You are on, your, on, on the right way, on the right path. Hallelujah. Now, uh, we are talking about righteousness. I want you to um, turn in your Bible to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. Now, 2 Corinthians 5 is such a powerful scripture. It speaks about reconciliation, how we were reconciled with God. Now, 2 Corinthians 5, from verse 19. It says, let's read from verse uh, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God. All the new things that happen in a person's life, they are of God. Not out of your own willpower, out of what you try to do for God, but it's of God that lives in you. Amen. All things are of God who has reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ and has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation to testify or to wit or to tell you about this that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself. How did He do it? Not imputing their trespasses unto them and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation, which is that God in Jesus Christ reconciled the world unto Himself by not imputing their trespasses against them. And isn't that wonderful? Now, you know, we must realize something. Uh, So many times we think God is punishing our sins when we do something wrong. No, sin is that which punishes you. If I go and I steal and murder and all of that, that punishes me because it twists my mind. It twists who I am. It's abusing me. So sin has got punishment in itself as well. And you must know that. So um, God was reconciling the world unto Himself by not imputing their trespasses to them. In other words, He said, let that trespass and the punishment of the trespass come to Jesus and the punishment of that trespass is death. So, Jesus took our death and by doing that He did not impute your sins to you. But it was given to Jesus on your behalf. Okay, now, then as ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. So what he said is that Jesus died for your sins. He did not impute your sins. He exchanged himself with you. That's the correct Greek word for reconcile. He exchanged himself with you. And now it says, be ye now reconciled with God. Now see yourself as exchanged with God. In your mind, exchange yourself with God. Hallelujah. Let him be the one that took your sin. And let you be the one that's righteous. Now, that is sometimes very difficult for us to do, to think, man, I must exchange myself with God. But that is what the word reconcile means, to exchange. Okay, now listen to verse 21. For he 
has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So what he's saying is, Jesus was made sin. In other words, he was exchanged, he exchanged places with you. He became your sin. He was made sin so that you could be made the righteousness of God. Now, how was Jesus made sin? Jesus was not made sin by doing sin. And you must listen to this. This is powerful. Jesus was not made sin by committing sins. In the same way, you are not made righteous by committing righteousness. Jesus was made sin because it was just put upon Him. He came and He said, I represent man and the sin of man and the punishment for sin and the punishment that sin brings was upon Jesus. Okay? Just because He became that. In the same way, righteousness is imputed unto us. It was not fair that Jesus was punished for sins. If we look at His sinless life. Because He didn't commit sin, but He was punished for sins. In the same way, it's not fair for you to be treated as a righteous person if you haven't committed any righteousness or done any good thing. But it wasn't fair toward Jesus. In, in, in the same way, it might not be fair for you to be blessed as if you've done nothing wrong. But that is the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus. Hallelujah. We are prosperous. We are blessed. We are healed. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's the way the gospel works. For He has made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin. So Jesus was made sin, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Now I want to just explain it this way. He was made sin, who knew no sin, so that we might be made the righteousness of God, who knew no righteousness. Man, isn't that powerful? That is the gospel of Jesus. Now, so many times we don't know what the righteousness of God is. Now in the Bible there's different types of righteousness. Uh, Adam was righteous, the Bible says Noah was righteous. The Bible says David spoke about his own righteousness. The Pharisees were righteous. And that was all right. They were all righteous before Jesus. But the righteousness that they had weren't the righteousness of God. Noah was righteous in his generation. Now what that means, uh, it, sometimes we can twist that scripture out of context, but let me explain to you what it literally means. He was a good guy in his times. That's all it was. Job was also a righteous man. But he was not righteous with the righteousness of God. For Job feared. For Job didn't, Job thought that God was a God that's just gonna, uh, punish people if they sin. He had a wrong understanding of who God was, but even God saw him as a man that was righteous. Because in his time, in his day, he was seeking after God. Now, uh, in the Old Testament, those people that were seeking after God, that called on the name of the Lord, they were called righteous because of the good thing they've done. So the good thing they've done was a credit to them. They say, you're a righteous guy, you're a good guy for you seeking after God. You know, in today's day we'll say, you know, he's got such a good heart. And that's what was called righteousness in the Old Testament. They did not have the righteousness of God. Righteousness was actually... Um, uh, righteousness is it's actually difficult to explain but let me try it this way if you would do good things 
what you do speaks of who you are and that who you are is called righteousness. So if you're a righteous person, you will be a person that does good things and a person was only seen as righteous because of the good things he would do. So the law came and the law said, listen, you will be called righteous and you will be seen as righteous if you can do all these things. And David came so many times and in the beginning of of uh, Psalms, you will say, Oh God, judge me according to my righteousness. Oh God, judge me according to my righteousness. For David saw that he was doing good things. And when he, um, he was in an argument with another king, or somebody came and stole some of his stuff, he said, God, thank you that you judge us according to our righteousness as we go into this war, for they are guilty and we are not guilty. And the righteousness that it speaks of in the Old Testament, in the life of David especially, is not the righteousness of God. It was the righteousness that says, well, I'm not guilty, the other one is guilty. I've done my best. That's the righteousness that the Old Testament speaks of. And we should not confuse the righteousness of the Old with the righteousness of the New. For the Pharisees were also righteous. Paul said that according to the law, he was blameless and he was murdering the church. So, blameless, according to the law, murdering the church. Righteous. According to the righteousness of the law, he was found blameless. That's what he says in, I think it's Galatians. He says, according to the righteousness of the law, I was found blameless. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was of the tribe of, I think, Benjamin. I was trained under Gamaliel. I was a Pharisee among the Pharisees. I I did all those type of things. According to the righteousness of the law, blameless, persecuting the church. So the righteousness of the law is not the righteousness of God. The righteousness of um, uh, uh, Noah was not the righteousness of God. The righteousness of Job was not the righteousness of God. The righteousness that we receive, and that's what it says here, and I want to read it again, so that you can understand what a great thing we've received when we received the righteousness of God and when we were made the righteousness of God. And this righteousness that we were made, weren't, we weren't made that because we knew righteousness. We were made that because we simply believed in Jesus and because of what He's done. Jesus was made sin, not because He knew sin, In the same way we are made righteous, not because we've done good things. We are made righteous because He makes us righteous when we believe on Him. Now let me read it again. For He has made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. So, there's a level of righteousness called the righteousness of God. Now I want to just read that uh, righteousness to you. We can go to... Uh, Psalm 40 verse 10 I think I touched on this in the first uh, session on uh, righteousness two or three weeks ago Psalm 40 verses 10 the level of righteousness that we received in Jesus is way higher than the righteousness of the Lord Much higher. It's much higher than the righteousness of the Pharisees. It's much higher than the righteousness of Job. It's much higher than the righteousness of David. It's much higher than the righteousness of of, um, Noah or anybody in the New Testament. It's much, in the Old Testament, much higher 
We have received the righteousness of God. You know, David, in the beginning, you know, when he was a young man, he was still full of power. He said, oh God, judge me according to my righteousness. And the end of his life, he was saying, oh my Lord, judge me according to thy righteousness. Because he knew that his righteousness was not enough. Psalm 40, verse 10, it says, now this speaks prophetically about Jesus and what he preached um, in the, uh, uh, when he walked on the earth. He says, I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness. Isn't that awesome? He says, I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. I have not kept my mouth away from your righteousness. I declared your faithfulness. And your salvation, the way you will bring salvation to people. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. So, the righteousness of God is what needs to be in a man in order to save a sinner. The righteousness of God is the love that must, is, is such a high level of holiness that it is so high that you will be good to those who hate you. That you will save those that hate you. That you will bring salvation to them. And this is what he said. He said, Lord, I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, you know. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness. Now, the Bible says, if we are not faithful, He remains faithful. Now, what is the faithfulness of God? You can read in 1 Corinthians. It says, the faithfulness of God is to confirm you even unto the end. That's the faithfulness of God. So, what, what Jesus said, I was confirming the faithfulness of God. And that faithfulness of God was explained later in the Corinthians through the writings of Paul as God confirming us even unto the end. So, when you get born again, He saves you, and He will be the one that confirms you, even unto the end. That's the faithfulness of God. Now think of what a type of person somebody must be, to confirm somebody even unto the end, knowing that He's going to do some things wrong sometime. That's called righteousness. That's His righteousness. is His faithfulness. And His salvation. Now, what is the salvation of the Lord? That He was willing to be made sin for sinners and take their punishment upon them. Now, think how righteous a person must be to be able to do that. The Bible says in Romans that for a, a, a righteous man, you might even think of dying, but not for a sinner. And God was willing. He was so holy, so full of love, so, he had no selfishness, nothing, so much higher than the law, um, and he was willing to die for sinners. The law says, kill the sinners. God says, I'll die for them. Now think of the, the, the level of righteousness that God possesses and that he has. He is the highest form of righteousness. Hallelujah. That's what he is. Okay. Uh, um, he, he brought salvation... Let me find the place. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. Now the Bible says when you see Jesus, you see the Father. 
when you see Jesus, you see the Father. So, um, Jesus showed the love of God. When that woman was caught in the act of adultery, what did he do? He said, I don't condemn you, for he only did what he saw his father do. When people came in the, in the temple, uh, when people came in the temple and they were selling animals at a very high price and with, through a lot of wickedness, they actually caused people not to bring the sacrifice they wanted to bring to, re- to receive freedom from their guilt and the sin that was upon them. Let me explain what they did. In that time, the priest had to uh, inspect the lamb that somebody would bring for a sacrifice, or the doves, or the a goat, or whatever. Um, and if it was found blameless, then they could sacrifice. If there was something wrong with it, then they would say, listen, we can sell you uh, a blameless one, a spotless one. So what they would do is, they would say, no, listen, this one is not good, but you can buy one from my friend. And then they would be in business together. And then they would say, listen, the money you have is not the right money. You can change that money at another friend. And they'll be all be in business together. And the rates would be wrong and they would just, man, be money-hungry wolves. That's what happened. And then some of the people, it was so difficult for them to sacrifice. And some, I think, they couldn't even do it. And that made Jesus angry because what he saw in heaven was God wants to remove guilt from the hearts of people. And here are people... Stopping others from um, being guilt-free or having a guilt-free life. And I think it's the same thing that upsets God today. If there are people that's against the message of grace, it upsets God. If people go around and say, you know, this grace message is just a license to sin. This grace message is just something that's going to bring forth sin in your life and all of that. That upsets God. Because... If you do that and if you say that, you're in the same category as those Pharisees that were selling everything at a high price to get you free from your guilt. You don't have to pay to get free from your guilt. Jesus paid that you can be free from guilt and condemnation today. You can be so free because you've been made the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God is God's loving kindness. God loving you so much that He's willing to be kind to you. Speak to you in a kind way. Speak to you in a loving way. Hallelujah. You know, God's greatest issue is not sin. God's issue is not your sins. It might be your issue, but that's not God's issue. For He knows that He paid for your sins. And the moment you believed, you've received and you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But what God is concerned about is that you will know and believe the truth about Him. For if you can know and believe the truth about Him, that righteousness that you were made in Jesus will start to manifest in your life and the attributes of God will start to show in your life and you will experience victory in this world. Man, isn't that awesome? You'll be set free from the bondage of sin. You know, if you are in Jesus... It is not righteous, it's not fair, it's not just that you are bound by sin. It's unfair. Sin does not have the power over you to keep you in bondage. And I see people that are saved and they've got a drinking problem, they are saved and they've got a a sex problem, they are saved and they've got a, a, a lying problem and a stealing problem. You know what? That's unfair. It's not supposed to be like that. If you take what God has done for you, sin doesn't have that authority over you. Man, rebuke the thing. It's not supposed to be there. 
uh, start to believe the truth about the gospel. But what has happened is the en- enemy has come in and brought in false doctrine so that people start to believe the law again and through the law is the knowledge of sin and by the law is the starting place or that's the place where uh, a sin has got its foothold into your life. And then sin, sin starts to manifest out of that law mentality and that's what kills you. So, uh, we must be sure that we understand the loving kindness of God, that we hear the message of grace, that we hear the message of what He's done for us. Let me read verse 10 again. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness. The righteousness of God is how faithful God is. And how He is willing to die and save people. How He loves people. Okay? How He's, how he's loving kind and how He is walking in truth and no consciousness of sin. Now, let's go to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. And we're just going to look at this righteousness of God in practical human uh, examples. And this is what it says. Now, you must remember, um, I want to connect this with Matthew 5.17, where Jesus said that, I have not come to break the law, but to fulfill the law. And unless your righteousness is higher than the righteousness of the Pharisees, you shall by no way enter into the kingdom of God. And now this is the higher righteousness that he speaks about, or the righteousness of God. He says, But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them that hate you. Now think what a good person somebody has to be to love his enemies and to do good towards those that hate him. That means there's nothing bad in him. If he does good, to those that hate Him. Now, there are people that hate this doctrine. But let me tell you something, that there's somebody that is so good, that he is so flooded with goodness, that he does good to, to them that hate Him. Now, it says there, you must do good to them that hate you. Not just speak a good word over. Do good. Practically go and do good. So, this speaks about the righteousness of God. Because if you... I'm going to read through this, but I want to just read the end for you so that you can see this for yourself. It says, and if, uh, um, but, love, but love your enemies and do good and lend hoping for nothing again and your reward shall be great and you shall be children of the highest or born of God or like the highest. Listen to this and this is what I want to say. For He is kind to the unthankful and the evil, be ye therefore merciful as your Father is merciful. So what the Scripture is actually saying is talking about the righteousness of God. God's way of living. God's way of righteousness. How holy God is. How, um, how merciful God is. This is His loving kindness. This is His faithfulness. How much does God love? He loves even those that hate Him. He blesses them that curses Him. He prays for Him which despitefully uses Him. Verse 29. And unto Him that smites Him on the one cheek, He offers the other also. On the cross we saw that clearly. And to Him that takes away His cloak, He forbid not to take the coat as well. He gives to everyone that asks of Him. And to Him that takes away His goods, He does not ask it again. And... Um, as he wants people to treat him, he treats them. For if God only loves those that love him, what is he different to any other normal human being? 
For sinners love those that love them. And if you do good to them that do good to you, what thank? If God only does good to those that does good to Him, what thank does He have? And that's what the law said. The law said, man, you do good to those who do good to you. And it's an eye for an eye. And if somebody does something wrong, if he's been caught in the act of adultery, you stone him. You kill him. You know, before the written law was given, Cain killed Abel. And God came and said to, uh, and, and had a conversation with, with uh, Cain and said to Cain, you know, there's, there's a curse resting upon you and people are going to kill you and all of this. And then he said, well, people, people are going to hate you. And then he said, oh, this is too hard for me to carry. People are going to murder me and kill me. Then God said, those who kill you, I'll kill them. Now think of that. Um, God fending for somebody that murdered somebody else. Isn't that awesome? That's a good God. That's better. I mean, today, uh, even if I think of myself, if I think of somebody that murders somebody else, I'm thinking of one thing. Send him to jail. And the maximum punishment that there can be, let him have it. Even if he repents, let him have it. Because that's, that's it. You know, that's what, what's in the minds of a normal person. Because you think, oh, this guy might repent, but there might be 20 others doesn't repent, and now they're not going to be punished and just sent out of jail and murder other people as well. So, sorry, brother, that's just the way it's going to be. The law is for the lawless. But that's not God. But when the law came, listen to this, when the law came, somebody was just picking up sticks on a Sunday, and he was killed for that. He wasn't allowed to work on the Sunday. Now, do you see how much death there is in the law? Now, just think of the goodness of God and how much better God is than uh, uh, the judgment that's under the law. God is, He loves His enemies. He does good to them that hate Him. He blesses those that curses Him. Now, think how good He is and how righteous He must be in order to have that type of life. And now the Bible says, we were made the righteousness of God. Not the righteousness of the law. The righteousness of God. The righteousness of the law, the good thing that the law could do to us, also came to us, and the higher form of righteousness. For if you go and read Luke 6, if you go and read Matthew 5, it says, it speaks about all these good things that you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to give, how you're not supposed to judge, and all those things. Now, let's just read a little bit in verse 36 here, 37. It says, Be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. Judge not, man. If you're merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful, you're not going to judge. Condemn not. Forgive. Give. It says, then men will treat you in the same way. God knew the only way to get people to uh, accept Him is by being good to them. For people are good to those that are good to, to, to them. That's it. So God comes and He's righteous and He's good and He's holy. And if you read this in Matthew, you will see that He says, those who can do all these things, He will liken unto a man who built his house upon the rock or in, uh, uh, interpreted into the New Testament who builds his life on Jesus or who believes in Jesus. So, if you can do all these things, if you can go and love your enemies, do good to them and hate him, if you can do all those things, you will be just as righteous and as holy as a man that has believed on Jesus. 
For we are made the righteousness of God. Now let's read it again. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. This is awesome. For he has made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made, and you can just say this loud, the righteousness of God in him. One day a guy said to me, you see, Bertie, we're not righteous yet. The Bible says there that we might be made the righteousness of God. And that is this continual process, God working in your heart, that you can start to do good things. And as you do good things, this righteousness starts to manifest in your life. Man, that is just out of context. The context here is Jesus was made sin so that those who are reconciled to God can be made the righteousness of God in the same way as what Jesus was made sin. How was Jesus made sin? In one moment He was made sin. In the same way, in one moment, we are made the righteousness of God through Jesus. That's all. Not by our works. Okay, we're going to look into some of those scriptures. Um, Let's go to Romans chapter 3. I'm going to read this and then we're going to go back to verse 9 and I want to just explain that part of the chapter. It says in uh, verse 21, But now the righteousness of God, just say righteousness of God, the loving kindness of God, who God is, that person of who God is, how righteous God is. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. Isn't that awesome? Now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God sent forth to be the propitiation through faith in His blood and to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Oh, hallelujah. (laughs) Man, if people believe this, the devil is worried because he cannot condemn them, he cannot manipulate them, he cannot get them into working for him. You know, let me tell you something, and this is going to be shocking. If you want to be blessed by what you do for God, you are working for Satan. Now, that's a a radical thing to say, but it is the truth. For the devil tells you, do this, do this, and do that, then you're going to be blessed. God doesn't say that. God says, believe in Jesus. And then the righteousness of God will be imputed to you. And you will be made the righteousness of God without the works of the law. Romans chapter 8. We are made righteous without the works of the law. For all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3. There is no one righteous. No, not one by his own works. But those who believe through the faith that Jesus had on this earth on our behalf and His walk on our behalf and His obedience according to Romans 5.19 on our behalf when we believe on Him that is imputed to us 
And when we are made that righteousness of God, we are seen as forgiven and sinless, for we are righteous. Amen. And now, if there comes something that tells you, yeah, but you still need to do this thing to get a breakthrough. And you need to do this thing to get a breakthrough. And You know what? You are just employed by Satan. And you are working for him. That's all. Because that's what he did with Adam and Eve in the beginning. And we are not ignorant of his devices. We are not ignorant of what he uses. He uses desire for things to get you to do good things to get that thing you desire. And Satan was, I mean, Adam was under the influence of God. He was righteous by the righteousness of God. Then Satan came and said to him, Listen, if you eat of knowing good and evil, if you make knowing good and evil your food that will give you strength to be like God, uh, then, then you'll be like God. That's what he said. He says, Make knowing good and evil your food and then you'll be like God. It will give you the strength to be like God. Know the right and wrong thing. Do the right thing and then you'll be like God. And you know what? From that moment he was working for death. Now that is shocking and you might say that is just too radical. But that's just the way it is. And all we can do is just accept it and say that's the way it is. And you know what? Let me tell you something else. If you believe on Jesus, that same day you became enslaved unto righteousness. A slave is not somebody that willingly does something. A slave is somebody that's under the power of something. So the moment I believe in Jesus, I, be, I became enslaved to righteousness. I'm under the power of righteousness. There's the, the powerful character of God indwells me and I live by God in me. Now that's more powerful than trying to be righteous by your works. We've received the righteousness of God. God's righteousness is not trying to fulfill the law. Well, I'm God and I'm righteous because I can fulfill the law. No, man. If there's no law, nothing. God is righteous. In the same way, we are righteous without the law, without the works of the law. We are not righteous by what we do for God. We are righteous by what God has done for us and by what He's placed inside us. That's the righteousness of God. Amen. Isn't that powerful? Let's read from verse 9. Just go through this again and just get it settled in our hearts. It says in verse 9, and what it tries to say from verse 9, is that um, we, uh, that there was nobody righteous by their works, not even the people under the law, nobody. He says, what then? Are we better than they? Talking about the Jews better than the Gentiles. He says, no, in no way. For we have before proven both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. You know, Job, according to his righteousness, was not righteous before the righteousness of God, or compared to the righteousness of God. There was no one righteous, no, not one. Now, if the Bible says there was no one righteous, no, not one, then you need to bow your knee before that scripture and say there's no one righteous, no, not one. Let me tell you, nothing you do in your own works before God, if you are seeking righteousness by what you do before God, is seen as righteous. There's no one righteous. Not one by his own works. Let me tell you this, and I want you to know this, because we think, you know, um, I'm a righteous person. Many times I've been thinking, I'm a righteous person, for I do, most of the things I do is righteous and is, is good. Maybe I've got my little mistakes, but at least I'm honest about it. Do you think that being honest about your sins makes you righteous? 
No, no, it just makes you somebody who acknowledges that you're unrighteous. That's all. You're not righteous by what you do. You're not righteous by your works. There's no one righteous. The best person that has given the most in their life for the kingdom of God without Jesus, he is as filthy as Satan. That's it. Without Jesus being obedient to the law, you are seen as unrighteous and your most righteous works is seen as filthy rags before God. You are not good enough by your works. Never are you good enough. But God was so good that He was willing to be good to sinners and people that are not even righteous. That's just the way it is. He showed His love to us. That is the righteousness of God. By your works you are not righteous. The most holy person, the most righteous by His work person, the most holy rabbi today, the best Buddhist, the best Muslim, the best Christian that thinks that by His works He's justified before God. Let me tell you something. He is, man, like I said, as unrighteous as Satan. The same with me. If I'm not in Jesus, I'm as unrighteous as Satan. Now, all the holy works that there is in the Bible and for you to do, um, if you can do that without Jesus, you are seen as a sinner and unrighteous. But no holy works with belief in Jesus is seen as the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. The gospel is not about what we must do for God. The gospel is not about what we must do uh, for our neighbor. It's all about what God has done for us and what His work does in us. That's what the gospel is all about. Hallelujah. Isn't that good news? That's what we can rest our mind in. That's what we can say, well, I've been made righteous by faith. And this is, uh, this is the scripture. It says, there is no one righteous, no, not one. There is none that understands. There is none that seeks after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that does good. No, not one. Man, thank you for that. Hallelujah. Verse 19. Now we know that whatsoever the law says, it says to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Just say hallelujah to the law. Amen. Thank you for the law. Because all could become guilty before God. So now we know that whatsoever the law says, it says to them that are under the law. Why? Why does the law speak? What's the purpose of the law? That every mouth may be stopped. What does it mean every mouth may, may be stopped? Because people were thinking, well, um, you know, if you do this, at least you're righteous. If you do that, at least you're righteous. That every mouth may be stopped and say there's no righteous person. No, not one. Compared to the righteousness of God. Okay? And that the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God Without the law is manifested being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe for there is no difference.
For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So, there's not some... There's, don't think that there's an area in your life where you're going to find righteousness by what you do. There's no area in your life where you're going to find righteousness by what you do. It's either you've got the righteousness of God or you've got nothing. Now, according to our righteousness is where we are blessed. We are blessed according to our righteousness. Jesus was righteous. He was raised up righteous. And according to His righteousness, He was blessed. He inherited. Now, we've been made the righteousness of God so that the things that Jesus receives because of His righteousness is now ours. Hallelujah. That's why we are healed. Because we, have be, we became the righteousness of God and because we, are, we became the righteousness of God, we are now justified or uh, justification means... We are treated according to our righteousness. Hallelujah. That we are justified because we became the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to read verse, um, verse yeah, up to 25. Being, verse 24. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has sent forth to be the propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sin. So, he declares his righteousness for the remission of sin. So, how are our sins forgiven? We are forgiven by receiving the righteousness of God. We are not just forgiven by God saying, well, I'm not angry with you. You've done this now, but I'm not angry with you. We are forgiven because we receive the righteousness of God. Then God looks at us and He says, You are righteous and you are sinless. That's how we are forgiven. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, I think I must just say it again, repeat it, because I don't know how to say it in a different way. We are not made righteous, or we are not forgiven by simply just saying, Well, I'm not angry with you. Forgiveness came in another way. Forgiveness came by you being made righteous. You are not made righteous because you are forgiven. You are forgiven because you've been made righteous. Let's read it. Whom God has set forth to be the propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Hallelujah! Isn't that awesome? Verse uh, 27. Where is boasting then? Boasting, saying, well, at least I've got this right, or where you can feel man. And, and boasting in New Testament church today is, well, I feel at least I got that right. Or I feel qualified because I've done this and I've done that. It says, but where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No, by the law of faith. Hallelujah. There's a new law. The law of faith. Thank God for that law. If I believe in what Jesus has done for me, I made the righteousness of God. I'm in the same standard of holiness as what God is. I'm much holier than what Moses was. You are much more holy than what Job ever was. You're much holier than Elijah, Elisha, uh, John the Baptist, any of those guys. We've received God's righteousness. You're much holier than David, man. When he was on the earth. 
you receive the righteousness of God. Now listen to this. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Isn't that... Man, isn't that awesome? Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified without the deeds of the law. Man, that is so, so powerful. It's so profound. It is just shouting ground. Hallelujah to Jesus. If we say this, we can say one thing. I cannot boast in what I have. I cannot boast in what I've done. I cannot say, look at what the work of my hand has done. Through my work, we have built this ministry. We've got a web church. We're going to start our own station. We're going to do this. We're going to, whoa, look at what we have done. You know, we are the favor of, favorites of God, you know, because we were just this favorites because of what we do right. Man, you can't boast. There's no boasting in the gospel. The problem that we have in churches today and the problem amongst Christians and preachers where one thing is better than the other one is because there's not an understanding of grace. If you understand grace, you will not boast. Paul says he does boast, but he boasts in the Lord. Amen. It's like in the first broadcast that I broadcast from this studio uh, over the Spiritual Channel, I testified about our house and I boasted in the Lord. And I will boast in the Lord. I will say, I want to just say this thing, that I did not sow to get this house, but by the grace of Jesus, I got this, so I was not good enough to get this by my own works. By my own works, I was not righteous. By my own works, I don't qualify. But He made me qualified. I received the righteousness of God. And because I've been made righteous by Jesus, I've qualified for every blessing that there is. And I've been blessed with this house. Bless God. Hallelujah. Amen. And I've been blessed with everything I have. People visit us this morning. I said to them, you know, most of the stuff in our house we didn't buy. We were blessed with it. Amen. And it was not because we have put seed into the ground or did anything right to get it. Jesus did all things right for me to qualify and to have it. Hallelujah. And that is a doctrine that promotes peace. That's a doctrine that takes boasting out of the church. It's a, excuse me, it's a doctrine that takes this whole hierarchy thing of a higher one serving, the lower one serving, the higher one to eventually get the crumbs that falls off this master's table. That type of doctrine is just killing people. Listen to me. I want to say this. It is good to honor your pastor. It is good. It's good for you to honor me. I want to say that and I want you to know that. If you honor me and you put me in high esteem, it means you put me in a place where you say what I say is honorable and it's worthy uh, of taking. So if you, the reason why I would want you to honor me is so that you, your heart will not be closed to what I say. That's the only reason. I'm not saying, well, if you honor me long enough, and then if you, God's going to see your faithfulness in serving me, carrying my suitcases, doing stuff for me, and, and all of that. And when God sees you serve the man God long enough, then God is going to see that you've qualified as righteous enough now to receive something of your own. That's a wicked, devilish doctrine. It's not from God. 
the doctrine comes from God says this, you've been made righteous with the righteousness of God by what Jesus Christ has done for you and we are all on the same level. And let's love one another because love is of God and he that, is, he that loves is born of God and knows God. So let's love each other. Those who preach the gospel, they've left everything to preach the gospel and through them comes the message of grace to you today. So honor them, keep them in high esteem so that you can hear that word for that word is what exalts you. Hallelujah. You know, so many people, and so many times, um, and, and I've seen this, I've been a preacher of this, but thank God I've repented. And Jesus Christ brought a change in my life through the message of grace. People are made slaves of others. Man, that's terrible. We are not to be slaves of other people. Listen to what it says in, in, in Romans 8. People are made slaves of others, man. It says... For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now that bondage speaks of the law. You can go and read that um, in Galatians 4 verses 1 to 5. It says, why do you want to be under the bondage of the law? We have not received the bondage of the law. The law says, by what you do you are righteous. By what you do you qualify. Man, people today are, they are overburdened with the practicalities of what you must do to get God to bless you. There are so many Christians today that are hurt because the Lord just came now in the, in the name of Jesus clothing. I want you to be set free. I want you to be set free. Hallelujah. I don't want to attack other doctrines, but I want to just tell you the truth. There are some people going around bothering others, getting them out of their freedom. Christ has set you free. You are free from all the... You've already received the righteousness of God. If there's any breakthrough that you need, it is just the breakthrough of understanding that you've already received the breakthrough. That's all. You don't have to... Listen. You don't have to go into the heavens, the Bible says in Romans, Romans 10. You don't have to say, I will go up into the heavens, and that is to bring the Christ down, to bring the anointing down, so that what Christ has promised will manifest. You don't have to do that. You don't have to go down to the deepest parts of the earth to raise Christ up, to get this resurrection life now, to start to manifest in you. You don't have to do anything to try and get the resurrection life to start to manifest in you. You don't have to try and get the anointing from above, trying to pull it down with 20 works and trying to pray in tongues, trying to do this to get all those things to manifest. You don't have to do that. The Bible says, nigh unto you is the word. It's in your heart and in your mouth. With the heart you believe unto righteousness and with the mouth you confess unto the salvation that is to come in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you with your mouth confess the salvation that He has already brought for you today. That's all you have to do is to believe. And what the heart is full of flows out of the mouth. So you don't go willingly, well, I must now confess and I must... No, no. The Bible says what the heart is full of flows out of the mouth. So if your heart is full of what Jesus has done for you, you will confess the salvation that He brought for you. 
Man, isn't that wonderful? We've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and not by the works of the law, but by faith. Let's read it again. In Romans 3, this is such a powerful scripture and I want to end off with this. I conclude with this scripture. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the works of the law. Now, that word justified is is translated wrongly there. It's, uh, uh, the Greek says, declared righteous. Declared righteous. It says, therefore, we conclude that a man is declared righteous apart, that word without is the Greek word apart, apart from the deeds of the law. Hallelujah. The goodness of Jesus. You have been made righteous. Righteousness is to stand right before God or to be before God as you ought to be. So when it comes to your money, let me tell you something. You are made righteous with the righteousness of God. You can't be more qualified than what you are right now for the manifestation of the financial prosperity that Jesus already brought for you. Man, that is the truth. You can't be more qualified and righteous to, for the healing that you've always desired from God. You've qualified. All you need to do is simply rest your mind in that. Hallelujah. Trust what Jesus has done is good enough for you to receive it. And then by faith you receive it. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. Well, if you've got any sickness in your body, I would like to pray for you right now. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior, today you can do that as well. And I'm going to pray for you and you will receive Jesus. Let's just pray together. Father, I want to pray for every person that is listening to my voice right now. Thank you for an enlightened mind to understand this message of righteousness. I also speak healing over every person with sickness. I declare you healed from every pain, every sickness, every infirmity that you've got. You are the healed of God. And every person that want to receive Jesus as, as their Lord, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Just pray simply, say, Jesus Christ, I believe that you were made sin, that I might be, might be made the righteousness of God. I believe that. Therefore, I receive my righteousness. That's why I am now forgiven. And I am holy before you. I am born of God. Right now. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, if you want to join us, in Web Church, you can do that um, in our cell groups afterwards. Uh, just go to um, download Skype. If you don't have Skype, go just follow the instructions that's on the web page there, and you will see what God has, uh, what we've got there for you, and you will see what God can have for you in a discussion that we've got together. God is just going to bless you through that. So, uh, ask us to put you on. We'll put you on there and we can have a nice discussion, pray for each other in the Web Church cell groups. And if you haven't watched this in the live broadcast, um, there will be no uh, cell group afterwards. But man, write us an email if this is blessed. If you've got any question, write to us. We would gladly answer you and get back to you. And enjoy just this song as we play out with this blessing.